What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode nine of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where I sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have learned to lead with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you. You know, we are all trying to figure out how to be the best leaders that we can be so we can be the leaders that God has created us to be. Well, happy 2018. Can you believe that we are already starting a new year? And as we start that new year, we get a fresh start. Many of you have set resolutions. You set goals. Many of you have already broken them by the time that you're listening in. But as we start this new year, we want to get off to the very best start that we can. And I can't think of a better way to crank up 2018 than to think and prepare our year to be the most positive year we've ever had. You know, as we look across the landscape of leadership in America, I don't know if there's anybody out there right now that is known as positive, as Mr. Positive, as John Gordon. Whether he's speaking to a professional group of athletes, whether he's working with a corporation, whether you've read Energy Bus or you've read The Carpenter or The Seed or uh, learning from the locker room that he wrote, wrote with Mike Smith, whatever book you've read of John, your takeaway is always that guy gets it and he is positive. And today, we get to spend a few minutes with him out of his crazy schedule to talk about spiritual leadership and the role that positivity plays in spiritual leadership. So pull up a chair, listen in to my time with John Gordon. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us today on Lynch with a Leader. It is a true blessing and honor to be able to sit down with you, buddy. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Well, you are known in this world, and I think, you know, everybody across every platform uh, knows of you. And and I think in this world, everybody gets branded in certain ways, and I think you are branded as Mr. Positive, and that's the positive energy you bring, the message that you bring. Was that always true, John, of your story, that positivity was uh, your, your uh, calling card? Was that always true of you? Well, I think it's funny that that's my calling card, that that's my life's work, because I'm really not naturally a positive person. I have to work really hard at it. I think I more go towards the negative, and I have to work at being positive. Grew up in a Jewish-Italian family, a lot of food, a lot of guilt, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of wine, a lot of whining. And uh, mom was Jewish, dad was Italian, uh, Catholic, you know, never went to church, never went to temple or anything like that, but just grew up with a lot of love. I, I do say it was a lot of love, but it wasn't, you know, where we were surrounded by positivity. <laughs> there was a lot of negativity in, in many ways. My dad was a cop, right? So he always saw the world in, in terms of the world conspiring against him and having to fight the world. People weren't for you. You had to be a strong family so you could fight the world. That was his mindset. And so I grew up in many ways with a negative mindset and I had to learn and work at being positive. 
Mm. And when did that shift begin to happen for you? When did that shift towards, I don't, I know that's my, my people would say family of origin and I had a great family, but it definitely leaned towards the negative side. When did the positive shift be able to go into effect for you? Well, I wasn't happy with my life in my late twenties, you know, early thirties. And I was struggling. I was negative. My wife and I were fighting all the time. I wasn't happy with the way my life was turning out. And I remember my wife came up to me and she had had enough of my negativity. It was after a big fight and she threatened to leave me. She said, Mm -hmm. if you don't change, like we're over, I'm done. She said, I love you, but I will not live the rest of my life with someone who makes me so miserable and is so miserable. And so I knew I needed to change. I begged her to stay. I agreed to change. And I remember I just prayed like, God, I know I'm here for a reason, God. God, why am I so miserable? And I didn't really pray like that before, but I, I prayed and I just said, God, please, you know, show me what I'm meant to do. Why am I here? And writing and speaking came to me. God give me, gave me this vision, this insight, this download, however you want to call it. It wasn't like I heard audible words, but writing and speaking just came to me in that moment. And I said, all right, that's what I'm going to do. And that began the journey of, of trying to be more positive. Around the same time, a good friend of mine, Daniel Decker, who we still work with to this day, you know, gave me sermons to start listening to and inspirational things. And I remember I just started walking and praying and taking these walks of prayer and just reaching out to God and just connecting more and just really all to heal, I believe, what was broken. Wow. And how long was that process, John? You know, because I know there's probably a lot of people listening that are driving into a job they may not enjoy in a life they feel very unfulfilled in and that are going, man, I'm just too far in to ever change. What would you what would you say to a guy like that about that process you walked through? Yeah, that was around 2002 and then I wrote the energy bus in 2006. Wow. So about a four-year process. I wrote two other books before that. Don't really never really don't talk much about those books, but the faith journey began around 2002. Wasn't baptized till 2006 and was really doing a lot of praying and seeking and, you know, a lot of just different ways to be more positive during that time. Wow. I started taking these walks of gratitude and prayer. Like I would walk and I'd say what I was thankful for. I started researching positive psychology and ways that I could be more positive. And I, I started like a regimen every day where I would build some mental and emotional muscle by just doing a positive exercise every day to try to be more positive. But looking back, I mean, the most important things I was doing was was nourishing the spirit, right? You can try to be positive all you want, but it doesn't happen in the brain. It happens in the soul, right? We need to heal our soul that is broken. And so a lot of times when we're depressed and we're negative, we think it's the brain, we think it's the mind, but it's actually the spirit. Yep. And it, and I'm sure that's something you even have to keep in, keep in check now, isn't it? Even doing what you do when you're out pouring it out all the time. Is that something you have to guard pretty close even now? I don't know if it's guarding. I just know that I have to nourish. I yes. know that I have to make time. My word this year is still, right? To be still. And I, I need to find time to be still. Last year, the word was forgive and to make sure I, I forgave 
you know, those who had hurt me. So I worked on that. So, so each year, you know, that word will mold you and shape you. So I think it's more about just finding time to recharge, re nourish and find time for prayer and to remember who's in control mm -hmm. and to remember that I don't want to build my kingdom, right? That doesn't last. So we, 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 every day, right. Can get so caught up in our own books and our own messages and building our business and what we're here to do. And that we could forget that I want to build God's kingdom. I need to remember that, that his kingdom is eternal. Mine is temporary. That's good. That is so good. And keeping that in perspective really does help us stay framed in what we're called to do. You know, I, I believe God has put us where he's put us for a reason bigger than us. Figuring out that is a whole nother ball game. And I know that's a big part of what you do through your books and through when you're traveling and speaking to organizations and teams. How big is purpose for a person to find in becoming who they were created to be? Well, it's everything. I mean, when you search for your purpose, you're really searching for God. Because when you find your purpose, well, I should say, actually, when you find God, you find your yep. purpose. When you find your purpose, you find God. Because God created you for a purpose, on purpose. So you're not an accident. And in my book, The Seed, I said that you cannot know your purpose without a relationship with the one who created you for a purpose. So through that relationship, then that purpose is revealed to you. And God uses you for his purpose to do his work and when his purpose and your purpose become one, that's a life that's energized. That's a life that's fulfilled. That's where happiness comes from. Happiness is a byproduct of living your passion and your purpose. So there's a reason why so many are searching for purpose. There's a reason why so many are searching for happiness. There's a reason why the purpose-driven life has sold, what, like 100 million copies? Yeah, yeah. Like that. There's a reason why, because we're all searching for that purpose. But I just tell people all the time, when you find God, he will reveal that purpose to you. And so we have to remember where the source comes from, where the power comes from. We don't get burned out because of what we do. We get burned out because we forget why we Amen. do it. So yep. you remember your why, you know your why, you live that why, you share that why, and that's where great energy comes from. Even when I'm talking about the power of positive leadership for a company, again, I don't share my faith in corporate talks, right? That's, that's not... Right. The platform in that moment and the space to share that. I talk about principles of leadership. But what I say is we could try to be positive all we want. But we're going to be, we could, there are going to be days we get up, we don't feel very positive. And that's where we need our purpose, a bigger purpose, to give us something to be positive about. That's where we have to remember our purpose and that fuels our positivity. John, what would you say your purpose is? Why, why do you feel like God puts you where he put you with the talents and abilities that you've been given? You know, I believe at times my purpose is to help others live theirs. Hmm. So as a leader, I always say you have a purpose and it's to remind people that they have a purpose and to help them live their purpose. So your purpose is really about helping others. So for me, it's about helping others is my purpose to serve God, to be of service to others and I believe my purpose, my life word, I believe there's a, a word meant for your life is, is positive. I believe I'm called to bring a positive message to others, to help people be positive in the face of negativity, in the face of adversity, in the face of challenges, optimism, hope, faith, all for me stems from positive. Love, right, and positive go hand in hand. Love 
is really the driving force of positivity. If you love it, you won't fear it. If you love it, you'll be great at it. You'll work hard to be great at it. If you don't love it, you'll never work hard to be great at it. So love is what brings forth kindness and, and joy and so forth. So to me, it starts with the love, but positivity is, is for some reason its own sort of uh, category for me in my life. Well, that's good. And I don't know why, again, I don't know why. I just know that's what I'm called to do. It's positive university that we just started. It's positive leadership. It's the energy bus was all about positivity. And I think because, you know, we can get discouraged so easy. We can allow negativity to sit in. The enemy is always filling us up with lies, right? And yep. lies of fear and negativity and discouragement. You know, I realized, Mike, the other day, it hit me that the devil knows he cannot defeat you so he gets you to defeat yourself that's how he wins he takes truth and distorts the truth so he doesn't have to defeat you because you're now defeating yourself so we know that all negative thoughts do not come from us i ask people all the time where do your negative thoughts come from and they say myself i said really who would ever choose to have a negative thought so once you understand that you are not the creation the creator of your negative thoughts they're coming from the enemy who also has the name the father of lies and those father of lies are coming in. Those negative thoughts are coming in. They're not coming from you. Once you realize that, just because you have a negative thought doesn't mean you have to believe it. So you don't have to believe the lie anymore. You can choose to ignore that lie. Don't believe it. Know the truth. Armor yourself with the truth. And that is where positivity comes from, where you don't allow the negativity to set in. You armor yourself with the truth. And now you can move forward with optimism, faith, and hope. See, what happens is the negative thought comes in. We think it's from us, and so we now reinforce it, we speak it, we then get mad at ourselves for having it, we blame ourselves, we shame ourselves for our negative thoughts, and now we are discouraged and the enemy has won. This happens to great athletes, it happens to teenagers, it happens to business people who are trying to create success and they wind up, you know, having some failures or some doubts or some negativity along the way, discouragement. So I would say my purpose is to give people the truth, to share the truth so that they can stay positive on their journey with purpose to create the life that God has called them to live. And really, I think some people will look at some of the folks that you work with. You work with the best athletes in the world. You work with some of the greatest coaches in the world and organizations in the world but yet they still battle those things as much, if not more than the guy that's just driving into a sales office this morning or the teacher that's going in to work with their class. They deal with it in the same way, don't they? They do. We're all human beings. Yep. So we're all dealing with the stuff at the same, maybe not at the same time, but in the same way on the same journey. It's the journey of life. I tell people, why do we love Star Wars? Why do we love Harry Potter? What are those stories really about? The battle of good and evil. Yep. It's the ba- that's why those movies resonate with us so much and they resonate in the core of our soul because the ultimate battle we face is the battle between good and evil. And you're on a path to overcome the evil, to face that evil with truth and with love and purpose, you win in the end. So you work with these great leaders, John, and you see you see flaws and all. You know, sort of the premise, and we talked a little bit earlier, the premise of the podcast is people learning to lead with their faith out in front. Do you find a lot of the most positive leaders 
have a deep faith? How, how has that shaken out as you've worked with so many across the board through the years? Many of the ones that I've worked with that I've talked to, yes, they, they have a, a strong faith. You know, Dabo Sweeney, a strong faith. Dave Roberts with the Dodgers, you know, a strong faith. Many are on this journey, you know, in life and they've, they found God and they have a stronger faith. Others, maybe not as much, but for me, it's about just coming there and working with them and being their friend and, and mentoring in any way I can and just being a resource for them to help them, their team and, and their journey. So, you know, again, I'm not always uh, trying to share my faith with sure. them. I'm, I'm living the faith and, you know, I'll pray with them, pray for them. And that relationship, I believe, shows them what faith is like. If, if I had told you in 2002, you would be doing what you're doing today. What do you think you would have said then? Oh, I would have laughed. I would have said, there's, there's no way. I mean, only God could do this. Only God could use me in the way he has used me and put me in the places he put me and had me write these books and then have these people read these books. Like I don't get the, the gigs I get and the speaking gigs and the consultant and the relationships from me pursuing them. It's happened from people reading my books, mm. reaching out to me, and then I visit and a friendship develops. And then from there, a relationship beyond that, you know, in terms of, of me helping them and their team. And so for me, I've never tried to win business. I've never tried to uh, do anything towards money or fame or success. It really has been about like being of service and, and helping these people. And I never thought I would be in this kind of position or, or, uh, or pursuit it. Now, do I love it? Yes. I love sports. I love these people. I get it. I know that I can help. So for me now, it's about how can I help the most, be of service the most, and and make the biggest impact. That's what it's about. And what God is doing with it all is up to him. <laughs> but for me, it's about just being of service. And again, that's how it started. Never really you know, saying, oh, I want to go work with that team. Oh, I want to go work with that team. I mean, Dabo Sweeney read training camp because Chad Morris gave him the book. Wow. Chad, Chad found it in a bookstore on a shelf, walked in, didn't know me from Adam, saw the book sitting on a shelf facing outward and saw the cover training camp whistle book about excellence. Thinks, ah, oh, football. All right, I'll read this. I need a book right now. He said it was the book he needed most in his life in that moment. He then reads it, gets the job at Clemson. Didn't even have the job at the Clemson at the time. Goes and brings it to Dabo. Dabo then reads the book and loves it and decides to really focus on best is the standard at Clemson. Mm. Best is the standard. Weaves a lot of the principles in. Every week, he's talking about one of the principles from training camp. I don't even know this at the time. I don't know Dabo. But every time I was turning on the TV on Saturday, it seemed like the Clemson game was on. I never watched Clemson in my life. So I'm now watching this Clemson team, and I'm like, wow, I love these guys. These guys have great energy. Wow, I love, I love this coach. love what they're all about. Not knowing that they're using training camp every week in one of their principles. At the end of the season, I get a private message on Twitter from Chad Morris because I started following him. And next thing you know, he's like, hey, you know, we use your book this season. I'm like, no way. He's like, yeah, tell me about training camp. Hey, would you come speak to the team next year? This was now wow. 2012. I went and go, went to the speak to the team. The year they used training camp was 2011. So I go speak to the team in 2012, meet Dabo for the first time. And it's been one of the most special, meaningful relationships I've had as an adult. 
and an incredible relationship with Clemson that really has changed me a lot as a person. Now my daughter's there in college and loves it. And there I was for the national championship. First time I've ever won a championship with a team, being with that team on the sideline. One of the great moments of my life that I'll never forget to see how God also orchestrated all with this team. So to, to really, to, to just have a book on a shelf and then to go there and it'd be a big part of my life. I mean, come on, is, can I create that? No, only God could do that. Yeah, that's amazing. I didn't. Yeah, I was always curious of the story of how you you guys got connected. But you know, you, you look back at that, and you can just see God's fingerprints all over it. And yep. probably the difference you've made in their lives and the difference they've made in your life. That really yeah. is that really is amazing. I didn't and, know that story. Yeah, and here's, here's, here's something else that's even cooler. And I haven't shared this with many people. But um, in training camp, Martin wears number 11. The energy bus is number 11. I see 11-11 a lot on the clock. It's always a sign that, you know, God is showing me that, you know, you're on the right path or just, I got this. It's just a weird kind of thing. It's a spiritual thing. And uh, Dabo and I texted before the uh, college football playoffs, right before it. And he texted me and it was 11-11 when he sent me a text. Wow. And I screenshot, I still have the screenshot. So if anyone ever wants to challenge me, I still have the screenshot. <laughs> I then uh, sent it back to Dabo and said, hey, this is a good sign. They wind up beating Ohio State like 31 to nothing the next day. Christmas Eve, I'm writing about Dabo in my book, The Power of Positive Leadership. I look down at my computer at the time at the bottom. I never look at the time. It's 11-11. Wow. And I said, wow, they're going to win the national championship. They're going to win. I don't know. I just, they're going to win national championship. I didn't send that to him at the time. But I took a picture of it, took my phone out, took a picture, still have that. And then we wind up winning. Now, what happened was as Alabama scored in those last two minutes, I looked up and I'm like, God, you've got to be kidding me. Like, come on, is, you, you know, this is not how it's supposed to end. And then they marched down the field and scored with four seconds left. It was like everything was orchestrated in that moment. And I sent all the 11-11 things to, uh, to Dabo afterwards. And, you know, it was pretty cool to show him, like, these, you know, the signs along the way that showed this was part of a bigger plan. But he already had many other signs for him that appeared and showed him. So we were going over all those signs. And it was really cool to see how God orchestrated it all. That is incredible. That is, you know, when that happened, I remember happening that night, it, it, all I could stand there and think was it couldn't happen to a better person. It yeah. really couldn't have. I got to meet him years ago when I did chapel for them one night when they were through Atlanta and their chaplain at the time, James Trapp was a good friend of mine and uh, love James. Yeah. Went off oh, love Trapp. And so went down there, did that for them. And they were, of course he was a nobody then he would just taken over the program. He was starting it from scratch, but you could see and, and I think the word that I remember leaving the uh, time with his team that night was he loved those boys and they loved him and there was no doubt about it. And boy, to see how that he's grown the program, but kept love. How big is love in leading in a positive way, John? It's everything. I mean, people don't like to talk about it in the business setting or in the coaching world, but love is everything. One of the greatest things that happened was after they won the national championship, Dabo stood there on the field in front of millions of people and said, love, was the difference that my word yeah. all year was love. And I told our team love would be the difference. I had so many people tell me that, that it was so refreshing to hear him talk about that because as a leader, you got to love your team. 
If your team knows you love them, they'll allow you to challenge and push them. Alan Mulally, one of the greatest CEOs in the history of the world who turned around Ford when they were losing $14 billion, had them profitable in a few short years, told me that, John, you got to love them up. You got to love them up. You got to hold them accountable to the, to the culture, the process, the values, the principles, but you got to love them up. And that's what I find with great leaders. It's about love and accountability. They're able to combine the two together, just as Jesus, right? Grace and truth together, love and accountability. I bring the love because I love you, but the accountability that I have to hold you accountable to our standards and also to the standard of you being your best. Because if I love you, I'm going to push you to be great. I won't let you settle for anything less than being your best. Good. Good. Is, is that something even as a parent that you found yourself with your, your kids saying, man, I've got to, I not only have to go do this on the road, but now I've got to live out this at home. How has that worked for you through the years? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because here I, I write these books and then I speak and talk to all these people and I'll have like a professional athlete text me and my own son won't listen to a word that I say. Right. And so, so, uh, and my kids are like, yeah, dad, whatever. Yep. But, but you know what they know and know what they feel the most is your love. It's mm. not really about what you say. It's the love that you give them. So what I learned as a parent, what transformed me as a parent, and I have to give Joe Ehrman a lot of credit in this with inside out coaching his yep about being a transformational coach. And I read that and said, no, I need to be a transformational parent. And so from that moment on, it was about them. It was about loving them, encouraging them, helping them be the best. It wasn't about my identity. It wasn't them about doing well so I can feel like a proud parent, so I can put on Facebook, oh, look what my kids are doing. No, it was about me helping them be the best version of themselves, help them be all that they can be and, and help grow them. And that is a journey I went on as a parent and maybe a hundred times, a thousand times better parent. Love and accountability though. Got to love them, but I can hold them accountable to help them be their best. It works the same in parenting as in leadership. I often say parenting is leadership, as you know, Mike. Absolutely. So true. What's been your favorite book you've written? What, which book did you enjoy the most? And what book do you find that you go back to the most to resource and to quote from have there been any that have stood out to you john well the the, the talks i give the most on are energy bus so yeah. energy bus and now the power of positive leadership and i'm working on the power of a positive team and i'm oh. writing this book so teams can read it together it's written from the perspective of a group of teammates that will read this book together and say what do we need to do to be a great team here are the keys. Whereas win in the locker room was the seven C's to build a winning team. There's some elements that'll be part of that. Hard hat was about how to be a great teammate. This is what can we do to be a great team? What are the principles and elements and characteristics of a great team? So I'm writing that, but I would say my favorite is training camp. You know, again, yeah. just the journey of a guy who has to overcome his fear, find his faith on the journey to be all that God created him to be, to be his best. I would say that's my journey. It's the Rocky of my books, you know, the Rocky story in, in essence. And uh, to me, it's my favorite. And I'm going to work to make a movie on it. That's one of my goals. One of my dreams is to now work and make it into a movie. And, um, you know, again, it's the one that as I was writing, I wasn't sure if I should write certain parts because there were some faith elements to it. And I was scared that people wouldn't read it in certain settings because if I shared some faith elements and God was like, no, you have to take a stand. So I took a stand. I put some of those faith elements in the book. Yes, it, it hinders it in some places, but then you get incredible God moments like Clemson where you see, because I took a stand, I wrote that in there. That's right. God uses that for good. 
Boy, that's so good. That And that's my favorite. That's so funny. You said that of all the ones and I've read all your books. That one is probably the one I thought I could, I, I finished it the quickest and I think about it the most. Oh, that's awesome. Because, yeah, man. It's just, it's just so spot on. It is so spot on. John, if, if you were walking into a high school coach's office or a college coach, baseball, football, basketball, uh, whatever sport it may be, and you were sitting down with them, if you could communicate one thing to them that you say, if they could get this, it would really make a difference in their coaching. What do you think that would be? It would be positive leadership. It would be what we just talked about. Love them, but with encouragement, with optimism, with belief, and with hope. Believe in them more than they believe in themselves. Don't allow your own negativity, which is what I could do. And I have, a, I have an issue with this my, myself, right? Don't allow your own negativity to get in the way of helping them be their best. Don't allow your frustration. Continue to see the best in them. Can you continue to believe in them? Continue to encourage them while challenging them to be all that they can be, to reach their highest potential. That's so good. Well, John, you know, as I told you even before we went on uh, talking together, thank you for what you're doing. You are you are out there. You are making a difference. And, uh, man, you have led with your faith out in front. And it it really is. You're, you are able to do things with people that God's given you a platform for a season and a time. And I'm proud of you for using it for him and for making a difference and helping people find their purpose. So thank you for what you're doing, buddy. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, as you do and as we do and as everyone hopefully listening will do, we'll just plant seeds, right? That's right. We plant the seeds, trusting that a harvest is coming. Our job is just to plant the seeds. So I appreciate what you do. I I appreciate the seeds that you plant and I'm right there planting with you. And we know that a harvest is coming. We may not see it, but we know that we're planting the seeds for greater fruit. In the future. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. Well, John, thank you again, and know that our prayers are with you, and uh, we'll we'll keep pulling for you. you. Can't we? Can't wait till the new Power of Positive team comes out. We can't wait to see that. And get our hands on it. Thanks, Mike. You know, there's some people that you get to meet in life that when you leave your time with them, you leave better. John Gordon is one of those people. That's why it doesn't surprise me at all. Some of the winningest organizations in professional athletics and college athletics have John at their side because the guy's a winner. You know, we know him as Mr. Positive, and that's what we were calling him in the interview. And if you've read any of his books, that's sort of the the, the framework. He does his Positive Leader Summit. Uh, man, he is Mr. Positive. What's so interesting, though, is that is not who he was. That is not the track that he was on. And he talked about that a little bit in our interview today, that his life was headed in a very different direction till he hit that crisis of belief and he had to make a choice. Am I going to continue going the way that I was going or am I going to go a different direction? Because he chose to go a different direction, millions of others have been influenced for the better because of that crisis of belief that he went through. You know, you and I are all on that same journey. I think so many times we look at it and we go, well, there's so many things stacked against me. There's so many things working out in the opposite direction for me. I'll never be who I wanted to be. But at the end of the day, we all get that choice, don't we? We all get that choice that we get to go, I'm going to follow what God has for me and find his best, which is what John did. 
or I'm going to continue on the path I was on, doing what I do, living the life that I live, and I'm just going to whatever happens, happens. And as we begin 2018 together, maybe you've come to that crisis of belief. Maybe you've reached that point you're going, you know what? I've got to change for the better. You can do that. What I love about the story of John is not only the change, but the role that Christ played in his heart in that change. If we just manufacture the change ourselves, it'll probably be temporary and short-term. But when he begins to change us on the inside, it's an eternal thing that happens because we will be being changed for the rest of our journey. So I don't know where you are today, but I know this. God has a plan for your life that's bigger than you, and God has a plan for your life that's greater than the plan that you would have ever had. Embrace his plan. If you have more questions about this or you would love to talk to somebody, you can email me directly at mike.lynch, L-I-N-C-H, at northstarchurch.org, or if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Twitter, or on Instagram, at Mike Lynch, and I would be honored to help you any way that I can be the person that God created you to be. Thanks so much for joining us today as we kicked off 2018. I can't wait till our next episode when we'll sit down with the president of FCA, Mr. Shane Williamson. Shane is doing a phenomenal job leading this amazing organization, and I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation on leadership and the role that leadership has played in his life and is currently playing in his life. Thanks again for joining us, and until we meet again next time, I hope you have a super great day. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.